You're now listening to Storytellers. You know, you're going to always doubt unless you take a step. Hospital, 1979, October 30th. Beautiful day. I was born. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so from the beginning, that's well. Um, yeah. So, well, I'll kind of start from, maybe I'll do this. I'll start from today and maybe work maybe back a little bit. Sounds good. So, um, yeah. So right now, um, live here in San Diego um, in Chula Vista. Well, I don't know if it's considered Chula Vista because it's East Lake, but it's still Chula Same. Vista. It's a yeah. city of Chula Vista, but people, people tell you, you live in East Lake. You don't really live in Chula Vista, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been in Chula Vista for f- almost 16 years. Um, have three kids. Uh, my oldest will be 17 in two weeks. And then a 15 year old, 17 year old boy, 15 year old boy, and a 12 year old girl who thinks she's um, 18. So, um, <laughs> Married for, gosh, um, we will be 19 years in January. Awesome. And um, so, and uh, currently, well, have been working or pastoring at Horizon Christian Fellowship here in San Diego and been on staff there for um, almost 21 years. So Awesome. Yeah. Which I love, yes. by the way. Yeah. I've seen you there before. I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Maybe here and there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So been in, uh, grew up in the church, um, and I uh, grew up with a dad who was a pastor. He actually was the pastor of our church and we transitioned, uh, about four years ago at our church. And, um, so grew up in, um, what people would say, grew up in the ministry, grew up as a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, PK. PK. Yep. Was called that a lot. And, um, being the youngest of six, I was, um, the one who was usually taken along with my dad on trips Mm -hmm. or, um, to hospital visitations or, um, whatever, you know, things he would have going on. He would find it very convenient to say, Hey, I can spend time with my son and take him with me. And, uh, all my older brothers and sisters, most of them were moved out at the time. So it was kind of this for him, a opportunity to, um, hang out and, um, um, but really kind of exposed me to what he did as a pastor and, um, and uh, so at a young age, I really got to see what the heart of a, uh, of a shepherd looks like of a church and um, got to see what the church looks like. And by the age of, uh, I would say maybe the age of 16, I'd, gosh, maybe had been to 20 different countries by that time. Wow. I mean, just went all just over the, all world. the world. So, which was, which was amazing. Yeah. And um, as a kid, you go to all these places and I remember almost every place I go to, I'd didn't want to leave. It'd be like, okay, I don't want to leave. Or I'd tell myself I could live here. I'll move back here. Or, um, so was totally blessed to have that opportunity to, to be exposed to that. And, um, and I'd have growing up kid, you know, other friends and kids, um, 
you know, especially within the church or within our school that was attached to our church always, you know, uh, you were at times either put into a box of you are going to be this certain way because mm-hmm. of who your dad is or, um, you know, or the opposite where people just, you know, expect you to be perfect or they expect you to be bad. When I look at kids or I look at my own kids, easy to forget, oh, they're going through exactly what I went through. I think as my siblings grew, my parents became less and less strict as they figured things out. So as far as like, you know, you're going to only listen to Christian music because we're Christians. You're going to only do this. Mm -hmm. And um, so navigating those waters and realizing that, you know, there's um, amazing, talented people out there who are artists and musicians who are not Christians that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I actually would look at and say, I want my, my kids to be influenced by that talent and that that gift that they have, um, and, uh, and not influenced by the bad stuff, but influenced by the fact that God's given them this gift and this ability. And, uh, so looking at that route of just trying not to be overprotective and, and, uh, my kids today would, would tell me, would say, you know, the, uh, that I don't let them do anything, but I think, I think I'm awesome. learning, you know, the same. yeah, so I'm learning through that. We're both, my wife and I are both learning through that, but, um, so growing up in the church, I saw, uh, I think, a good, healthy picture of the church. Uh, and I would always tell people growing up um, that one thing I always loved was my dad was always, um, for the most part, the same person he was on the stage mm-hmm. teaching and preaching that he was at home. And, awesome. and, and I've seen a lot of people where you, you know, they get off of the stage and there's somebody totally different. So um, I think I would have probably definitely ran the opposite direction like many do because um, they're, they're a different person, you know, mm-hmm. when they're up there than they are um, in just normal day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And um, so it kept me grounded um, in the church. Um, and there was definitely, I had a good season um, of really wanting nothing to do with God and the church. And, um, and it wasn't anything based on that, though. It was more of myself trying to work through the whole, is God real? Mm. Um, can he help me? Why won't he help me? Um, and, and I'm thankful it was never based on, I want to run from God because I've seen phonies or I've seen, mm. um, which sometimes you encounter that, you know, yeah, and, definitely. uh, which I think can be everybody's, a lot of people's excuse of why they don't go to church because of hypocrites or, you know, even today I would say the church can be a place where you can really get hurt. It can be. Definitely. So, I've been hurt. Yeah. I think it's easy to forget the church is, is a place with people who are messed up. That was kind of, for me, um, I'm thankful for that. I've seen, again, a lot of people run not wanting anything to do with the church. And um, for me, though, there was a season of really uh, just a lot of doubt towards mm. God and uh, doubt towards... Um, his existence, doubt towards, um, you know, what he was capable of doing. And, um, and there was a long period of time where my, my thought on God was, you know, he doesn't hear, he doesn't listen. And, uh, and I finally came to this point where God kind of just woke me up and showed me that my, uh, my picture of him or my, my, um, maybe my picture of a relationship with him was only one-sided. It mm. was, God, you're going to do this, or God, change this, or God, fix this. And um, when that would never happen, 
I would then more and more start to doubt God and, mm. and turn from him. And, uh, and there was a day where he really, uh, woke me up and said, you know, you're, you're looking at me as this person to fix all your problems, but you don't want to have a relationship with me. And, and then you get angry at me because I won't fix your problems. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, walking with the Lord for a long season now, those very problems are some of the very things that God allows to get us to come to him mm-hmm. um, and to see who he is in a new light, a new way. And um, so age 18 was kind of my, my turning point. Um, I had a phone call from another pastor's kid um, that I grew up with, this girl who called and said, um, hey, uh, I'm going to go. We had this program at our school, at our church called the School of Evangelism. And she said, "Um, I'm going to go and you should go. And there was a third guy, this third guy who was another pastor's kid. um, And both of them were kind of the last two people I ever thought would ever want to go through this program. It was a nine month deal where you basically go to Bible teaching all day long. You go on missions trips, you go do outreach reaches, you um, get on a plane and go wherever they send you for, you know, uh, like a practicum kind of deal. And um, so when they called, I was kind of caught off guard, like, why are you guys wanting to do this? You're not (laughs) who I ever thought would go. And I grew up um, exposed to it, and I would see the people come through it. And as I started to get to the place where um, I was really not walking with the Lord, I'd look at them and think they were all kind of crazy. They were all kind of strange. Uh. <laughs> um, and some of them were, you know, some of them were like, I have got nothing going on in my life, so I'm just going to go to the school and I'm going to sleep on people's couches and I'm not going to, you know. And then some of them were like people that would have a six figure income. Their life was totally together, and all of a sudden they just felt like God say, "You need to give that all up and just wow. follow me." And uh, so you would have this this diverse group of mm-hmm. a class for nine months of people from you know just all different walks of where they were coming from, but all of them were called to give up and to follow. And um, so I told them, I said, "Listen, I'll go with you guys." They had this week period of like open house where you could come and get lunch every day and um, finish at noon, and it was like this whole week of check it out, see if you like it. And I told them I'll go to the week and, and I'm done. I'm not going to do anything else. And then, um, so we all showed up the first day we finished the first week and then I kind of said, okay, I'll give it another week. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, uh, we, we, uh, stayed in it. And I think we started with 60 people in our, in our class. We finished with, I think 11 or 13. We had a kind of a crazy, you know, a lot of people who were fresh, like fresh off the street of walking with, with God. And, um, and they would encounter problems and situations and their way of like dealing with it would be, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave. And they would leave and you'd never see them again. And, um, so we went through a lot of growing pains and a lot of, God stripping us. And, and that for me was kind of the first thing that I ever, for me, it was the first thing that I, uh, one of the first things that I've in my life where it was something that I adamantly said I would never do mm-hmm. that I did. And it was kind of this, this, um, domino effect of, okay, I did that. I never wanted to do that. And I did it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it was like the next thing would come that God would say, okay, you would never do this before. Now are you going to do it? You know, are you going to try it? And, and, um, and from there it was just kind of like, it, it immediately brought me back to 10 years old, uh, traveling with my dad, mm. seeing people get saved, people, um, seeing, you know, um, you know, 
whether it be devastation from floods or fires or different things, people getting clothed and fed and mm-hmm. homes rebuilt. And, and it brought me immediately back to, okay, that's what I always loved and always wanted to do. The sweet spot. Yes. So yeah. So it was like this, this moment with God of saying, see, this is what you were made to do. Mm-hmm. And you just walked away for a little while. And now you're seeing that you're, you're back to where you're, you've always, you always were supposed to be. And, um, so it's kind of accelerated from that point. It was just like, um, diving in, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and from there, uh, interned at our church as kind of like an intern pastoral program. Um, and then from there we had a ministry called, um, 1-800-HIT-HOME, which was a hotline, um, and, uh, for runaways and for teens. And I actually used to answer the, the hotline when I was 12. Um, and, uh, and I would answer it and they would ask, are you a guy or are you a girl? And how old are you? And I would say I'm 12. And then they would hang up the phone. You know, I'd get like 18 year olds calling. They'd be like, you're 12. What are you going to tell me? And, um, and so at, 19 years old, um, started working with that more. And then, um, the guy who was running that, uh, was called out to go start a church in, I think Georgia or somewhere. And I just felt like maybe I'm supposed to do this and run this thing. So took that over and, um, and through that is how I met my wife and, uh, which was kind awesome. of a cool deal. She moved down and, um, and, uh, moved down from Orange County it was called the work at our church and I was part of a Bible study actually in Orange County that my dad would drive up and lead and, um, and she got to go on an outreach or a, a crusade with us kind of style thing for a week. And after that, she was kind of hooked and just felt like the Lord say, give up what you're doing and see if there's an opportunity for you to move down to San Diego. And she moved down and, wow. and, um, and her two opportunities were to work with our youth ministry and then to work with, uh, the, um, 800 hit home hotline, which I ran. So, um, she started working with me. I basically had to tell her, you know, if you don't marry me, I'll fire you. And uh, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. But An ultimatum. Um, yeah. So it was like this accelerated God saying, OK, you're now on track. And here's what happens when you're on track with me. Mm. You know, it's like this is you're going to find your contentment. You're going to find your purpose. You're going to find what your plan is. And then, uh, you know, he then just started meeting me with like boom, here's your wife. Here's, you know, just super fast. Wow. Um, which was kind of cool because I always, I think as a young kid, always saw that and wanted that, mm-hmm. um, wanted to be married young, wanted to, um, I think it was a sixth grade. It was career day. I showed up. I, I couldn't decide if I wanted to go and be a cop or be a uh, pastor. So I showed up with a pulpit and a suit with a Bible. And um, but then people said, "So you're going to be a preacher?" And I said, "Well, I can't figure it out. I either want to be a preacher or a cop or maybe a fighter pilot. I don't know." But um, so it was. It was like God bringing back kind of that 180 of this is you know again what you were made to do. Mm. Um, and, um, and I would just, you know, whoever's listening, I would challenge you, you know, if, if maybe you're in that place of, I don't know what I, I'm made to do, or, uh, maybe look back mm-hmm. to when you were young and, and w- maybe God had put something in your heart back then that you've walked away from that mm-hmm. you, maybe he's going to say, come back to what you were, you were made to be mm-hmm. and made to do. And, um, and I would say that first starts with, I think for me, it first started with realizing I was made to have a relationship mm-hmm. with him. Uh, and that was my biggest hurdle was really getting into the place where, okay, this is a relationship. It's not one-sided. It's me 
trusting, it's me submitting, it's me following, it's me worshiping and Mm -hmm. um, giving control to him. And it's me saying, okay, if you don't want to do that for me, God, I I trust that. And I know that you know what you need to do in my life. Um, So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my bringing, God bringing me back to what he had for me. That's awesome. Yes. You said you're a season of kind of doubting God. Yes. I've had some friends where they're studying Buddhism Mm. and studying just like everything you could think of and thinking, okay, maybe it's not just God. Maybe it's this and this. And they're taking bits and pieces. What would you say to them? I know it's probably a different doubt than yours, but it's a doubt nonetheless. Yeah. I think... Yeah, a doubt is a doubt because whether you um, have maybe had an understanding of who God is or a belief in God, uh, and then you start to doubt him, I would say it's a doubt is that doubt is just as strong as somebody's doubt who says there is no God. I've never experienced Mm -hmm. him. I've never um, known him or what he is like. Um, And uh, I I would say the first thing I would do is, you know, you brought up, it's funny, you said like religion classes. I just was talking to somebody who enrolled um, in a a class um, at their university and the whole class is on Christianity. And I thought that's kind of interesting. They offer that class. And, um, and he's, he took it. He's, signed up and enrolled in class thinking he was going to learn the history of the church. And, and the whole class is basically to prove why the Bible's wrong, why Jesus was not real. And, you know, it's like, it's, um, so I would say, know, know the, know that there's going to be people that will, um, they will fuel your doubt. They will say, mm-hmm. you're right to not believe in that. You're right to, and here's why. And mm-hmm. they will do all they can to um, prove uh, why he's not real and uh, why we shouldn't follow him. At the same time, there's going to be people that will tell you, well, here's why you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what you're going to find most common is from the people who tell you who you shouldn't follow God or tell you he's not real or to continue to doubt, um, you're going to probably be able to look at their lives and mm-hmm. see truly where is their contentment, mm-hmm. where is their joy, mm-hmm. where is their hope, mm-hmm. um, what are they living for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to find those that tell you you should try God, and you're going to find that they have hope, they have peace, mm-hmm. um, that their world isn't rocked by everything that comes at them. Um, but the common thing you're going to find is uh, that both require faith. It takes faith to be an evolutionist. It takes mm-hmm. faith to um, say you don't believe in God. It takes faith to be an atheist, you know, and um, and it takes faith to follow God. Um, and both require both require it. So um, the difference is, one, you know, as far as all those other options are religions and based on a man and mm-hmm. based on a system uh, to follow. Um, and uh, Jesus and the Bible are the only one that we can say, okay, this has been, this is the only one that claims and has been from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and you look at why is the Bible the number one selling book still out of all books in the world? You look mm-hmm. at why is it banned in over 60 countries? Um, 
When everything else is accepted. Yeah, everything else yeah. is accepted. And and what's sad is that it's banned in all these countries where if people were be, were able to hear just maybe like the Beatitudes of how mm-hmm. to treat people, how to live, um, how to interact with sinners, how to interact with Christians, how to, you know, all those things, um, how better our world would be. If people could just learn the morality side of the Bible, um, the world would be, would be impacted in such amazing ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say, um, the, you know, you're going to always doubt unless you take a step Mm. and that step is faith. And that step is also giving up control. Mm -hmm. Um, you will never experience God truly as you should until you say, I give up, I surrender, mm-hmm. I give you control. Um, and, and, and I would encourage as well to maybe stop putting God, um, you stop playing the role of judge and taking God to court and telling God what he's done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe look within and say, okay, what have I done wrong? Definitely. What have I, what, where have I gone wrong? And, um, and uh, acknowledge that, you know, you, we don't have it all together. You know, we don't know what we're doing. Um, so it, it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a total giving up of, of um, self. ourself. Yeah. yeah. And saying, God, whatever you want, um, do in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I think we will truly encounter um, God in our lives is when we've given him that space. I never gave him that space. I said, do this. I want this. But I never gave him the space to do what he, what he wanted to do. Part. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be my challenge to anyone to take that, that step of, of um, giving him the wheel and saying, you drive. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of driving. I'm tired of doing it my way. Um, I'm tired of doing it everybody else's way. Mm-hmm. And um, God, you do it your way. Well, thank you, Philip, for sharing your testimony and being today's guest storyteller. For more information about us, check out our site, storytellersbysb.com. Music in today's episode was created by Thundercloud. I'm Priscilla, your host and the creator of the podcast. Until the next episode, God bless.